World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, hey, excuse me. Good morning there, folks. You know, sometimes I have a real... Uh, some, what, what, yes. <laughs> this is show 2075, by the way. Sometimes I have a real spiritual anointing on me. Some days I have a teaching anointing on me. And, and some days I have a, I don't know. But, so the anointing I have on me today is one of, one of a teaching, not so much spiritual, although it's, it is spiritual and will be spiritual. But I, I want to open your eyes up to something. I, I uh, did my Brideon show yesterday at, uh, at 11 a.m. And I, the reaction I got was, wow. Pretty amazing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, recycle some of that stuff for you here today because I think it's important information that we understand. And uh, we're gonna pray here in just a second for the Tennessee 11 or the Tennessee 10. They go to trial today. I'm sorry, they've been at trial. Their trial goes to the jury today. Their case goes to the jury today. And we're gonna intercede on their behalf. But I want to show you something here very quickly before before we get to it. Uh, our you're no longer allowed, as we've been talking about here over the last uh, last few weeks, you, you're no longer allowed to defend yourself in court, folks. No, no longer allowed to. In fact, there was a, a day where there had to be what they called, excuse me, exculpatory evidence presented. In other words, exculpatory meant if the, if the prosecutor found something that proved you to be uh, innocent or was in favor of, the, of your side, they had to present that that evidence. Hey, Spence, real quick, look up exculpatory, exculpatory. So a fair trial means all evidence is presented. That's not what's going on in America today. They don't permit some evidence into the trial, right? Exculpatory means tending or serving to exculpate. Don't you hate that when they do that? So exculpate means to clear from alleged fault or guilt. I'm not an attorney. We got a couple of attorneys who are listening right here. I believe that you are required, if you are the prosecutor in a case, to present exculpatory evidence. In other words, if you have evidence that the criminal that you're trying to convict did did something that uh, exo- exonerates him, you have to present it. No more, though, folks. No more. I'm going to show you. I don't know how many of you have been following the Donald Trump $84 million verdict that that E. Jean Carroll got against him for an alleged rape 30 years ago, 30-some years ago, an alleged rape. And, uh, you know, you know how Trump is, so he was braggadocious about it, called her names. Well, 84, not making it up, $84 million judgment against President Trump. Uh, was he a scoundrel? Did he rape her? I'm, who, who knows? 30 years ago? I mean, really? So I want to show you something. Pull up E. Jean Carroll. These, I want you to see this, folks. This evidence was not admissible in the court. This was not admissible. Look, I'm not talking about Donald Trump and his trial. I'm trying to show you that the, that um, 
or friends who are being persecuted in courts are not allowed to defend themselves. Now, this are these were tweets or emails or whatever, text messages that E. Jean Carroll sent out, and these were not permitted to be uh, presented in, in court to defend Donald Trump. Okay? Look at this. Sex tip. These are from E. Jean Carroll. They would not let these in court. Sex tips, she said. I learned from my dog. When in heat, chase the male until he collapses with exhaustion, then jump on him. How about this one? How do you know your unwanted sexual advance is unwanted until you advance? Not, not, not permissible in the court. Would men have invented chastity belts, veils, and crocs if women weren't just unbelievably hot? Honey, you were born to seduce. There's no such thing as a slut, only sexual geniuses. How can what can be done about the penis? It gets large when you want it small and stays small when you want it large. It's not the most beautiful woman. No, no, it's the woman who makes the least mistakes who seduces the most men. Donald Trump not permitted to present this in trial. Is that unbelievable, friends? But see, that's where we are. Because again, the job of the Justice Department was supposed to be justice. But as we've heard recently in the courtroom, the judges are saying their job is to protect the government. So our judges are taking sides. So we're going to pray right now that for the, the, ten, uh, the Tennessee 11, that uh, the jurors' minds will be clear and they'll see and they'll understand exactly what's going on. Anybody, anybody like to pray? And I'd like to take that to the Lord for us today. Not only that, but that Isaac Yoder would be released and that the, the truth would come to Bill Dunphy's uh, um, judge and everything. Who wants to who wants to pray that? Go ahead. Who wants to go? Hey, I just pray, Lord, that you would rain down from heaven judgment on these evil, wicked people, Lord. We know that it's not them, but it's higher, darker powers, Lord. And just free Isaac, free Isaac, free the J6ers. And, Lord, we ask you, for, and uh, the, the, um, this Tennessee 11, Lord, that it will come back with a righteous and just verdict. And we pray um, justice for these people and mercy on the people that have suffered at the hands of the wicked government. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let righteous roll down like a mighty river, Lord Jesus. You said you told those Christians that you'd never leave them and you'd never forsake them, Lord. Let justice arise. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Wow, huh? So I did a show yesterday on uh, my Brideon show yesterday. It was, it was good. But, see, I, you know, I love interaction. I don't have interaction on my on the Brideon show. And some of you didn't get to see it. And, of course, many of you watching uh, didn't see it at all. So I want to make a the lie. I want to expose for you today the lie of the separation between the church and state. I want to give you a foundational understanding of this lives, how it's been perpetrated, and how the courts have run with it, all right? So first of all, Spencer, if you can, I, uh, is it a Spencer? Yeah, it is Spencer. Pull up Jefferson's letter, Thomas Jefferson's letter. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, that Thomas Jefferson, uh, think about this. What president was Jefferson? Was he the second? Was he the third? Somebody help me with who's good in history. 
was the third. Sorry. Jefferson was the third president. All right. So the United States had we had George Washington, then we had John Adams, and then we had Jefferson. So the United States as a government was about uh, 12 years old, maybe, maybe when Thomas Jefferson becomes president of the United States. And I'm sorry, were, Coach. Thomas Jefferson was 14 years old when he became the ambassador to Russia. 14 years, 14 years old, coach. Okay. So, so Jefferson's a very, very young man when he becomes president. And they, they're concerned, the pilgrims, the people who came over and settled, they were concerned that Jefferson was a liberal. They were concerned. And so they wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson, Nehemiah Dodge, Ephraim Robbins and Stephen S. Nelson, a committee of the Danbury Baptist Association in the state of Connecticut. By the way, the Danbury Baptist Church, the original one, is still there. It is still there in Danbury, Connecticut. About 10 years I was able to go there. That little quaint church is still there. But these guys wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson. And they said, listen, Mr. Jefferson, is it true that uh, you you believe that the that the that the government and the church should be head by the same guy. In other words, they left the Church of England. They were a Baptist denomination, and they were afraid liberal Jefferson was going to make everybody under the Church of England. You, you get where this has gone? And they said, we want to be Baptist. We came here. We came here for freedom of religion. Come on, don't you aren't going to do that, are you, Jefferson? And here's Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist. Now, friends, listen, this is important because it was upon this letter that in 1947, when the Everson versus the Board of Education was enacted, they used this letter as Thomas Jefferson saying there should be a separation between the church and state. So this is really, really important. So here's what Thomas Jefferson wrote January 1st, 1802. Gentlemen. The affectionate sentiments of esteem and approbation, which you are so good as to express towards me on behalf of the Danbury Baptist Association, give me the highest satisfaction. My duties dictate a faithful and zealous pursuit of the interests of my constituents. In proportion as they are persuaded of my fidelity to those duties, the discharge of them becomes more and more pleasant, pleasing. First of all, they didn't think Jefferson was a Christian. You understand this? They didn't think he was a Christian. Believing with you, Jefferson said, that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes no account to none other for his faith or his worship, and that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that the act of the whole American people which declared that the legislature should make no law respecting the establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between the church and the state. There's where that wall of separation line comes from, okay? Adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of those sentiments which tend to restore to man all his natural rights, convinced he has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. I reciprocate your kind prayers for the protection and blessing of the common father and creator of man and tender you and for yourselves and your religious association assurances of my high respect and esteem. 
So the separation between the church and state was Jefferson saying, we're not going to have the Church of England. We're not going to have the Church of America. The church and the state are going to be separate. But this is a Christian nation. How do I know it's a Christian nation? How do I know it's a Christian nation? Hang on. So when, when Everson versus the Board of Education, when they went back and they ruled in 1947 that there was a separation between the church and state, there is the line that they used. They pulled it right out of the letter to the Danbury Baptist, saying what? Make no law respecting Sabbath, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. By the way, did you also know this? that in those colonial days, every, every state was, was formed around their own denomination. Did you guys know that? Did you know Rhode Island was Baptist? Did you know that New York was, uh, uh, what, what the heck, uh, my brain won't kick in. Pennsylvania was uh, Dutch, Ref- no, yeah, Dutch, Re- Quaker. Uh, New York was Dutch Reformed. Uh, uh, Baptist was Rhode Island. Church of uh, Church of England in Virginia. Did you guys know that? So when Jefferson talked about the separation between the church and the state, he was saying, you guys have the right to practice your own faith however you want to in each state. It's not like today in America where we have a state department, all right? Jefferson was saying that the idea of religion was a state's rights issue. And there's a separation between the church and the state. That the church will not be run by the government. That's it. In a nutshell, right? So when you don't understand the context of which something is written, they pull it out of context and they make it. This is is what Hugo Black um, used in the separation between church and state in 1947. But I want you to pull up for me today. I'm sorry, I told you this is going to be kind of a teaching thing, but I think it's important that we all understand that, okay? Pull up for me if you can. Uh, uh, here's Pull up, uh, I didn't number, pull up Obama. Because here was President Obama in 2000, uh, I don't know where it was. Listen to this, listen to this dude. This is where we started going downhill. Go ahead and play that. Wherever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. None of that is true, folks. Listen, because we are a Christian nation, you can come here and be a Buddhist. You can come here and be a Muslim. We believe in freedom of conscience. If there was, if there was no liberty, the right is the as the First Amendment says. To, uh, uh, Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of a religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof, then everybody would have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Christian. But Christianity is the foundational principles. Okay, Spencer, pull up for me. Uh, this is a Christian nation, the very, the very bottom. 1892, folks, no, most people don't know this. Most people do not know this. Justice uh, Brewer in 1892, when a case came before the U.S. Supreme Court, here it is. Okay, bear with me a second. This is really, really important. Then the whole idea thing, okay? The U.S. Supreme Court stated in 1892 the case of Church of the Holy Trinity versus the United States, 
written by the major, major decision written by Justice Josiah Brewer, he stated, this is a religious people. He said, this is historically true. From the discovery of the continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation. And then he said, it's a hope that by God's assistance, some of the continents and islands in the ocean will be discovered. The first colonial grant made to Sir Walter Raleigh in 1584, and the grant authorizing him to enact statutes where the government of proposed colony provided that they be not against the true Christian faith. The first charter of Virginia granted by King James in 1606 commenced with these words, in propagating of Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness. Christ- America was to be a mission to the dark, all right? Language of similar import, maybe this is, by the way, this is the court decision. These are things written in the court decision. Language of similar import may be found in the subsequent charters of that colonies in 1609 and 1611. In a language more or less emphatic in the establishment of Christian religion, declared to be one of the purposes of the grant. The celebrated compact between the pilgrims and the Mayflower, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. The fundamental orders of Connecticut, under which the provisional government was instituted, says, and well-knowing where a people are gathered together, the word of God requires that to maintain the peace and union, there should be an orderly and decent government established according to God to maintain and preserve the liberty and purity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which we now possess of the said gospel is now practiced among us. Then it goes on to the charter of 1701 and Ben Franklin says, no people can be truly happy though under the greatest enjoyment of civil liberties, if abridged of their religious professions and worship. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. I'm not trying to bore you, okay? I'm trying to. So Judge Brewer presents all this evidence. Scroll on down. Scroll on down. All kinds of evidence that we're a Christian nation. And um, right there, stop. Go back. Hang on a minute. Justice Brewer says, well, because of a general recognition of this truth, the question has seldom been presented to the courts. Yet we find that in up to Graf and Commonwealth, it's decided that Christianity, general, this was a Supreme Court case, Christianity, general Christianity is and always has been a part of the common law. Not Christianity with an established church, but Christianity with liberty of conscience to all men. So Judge Brewer goes on to say what? All of this evidence proves that this is a Christian nation. Now, let me ask you something. When did we stop being a Christian nation? When did we stop being one? And who determined that we were no longer a Christian nation? Has any court anywhere ever said that? No, because why? Again, Christianity is the bedrock of freedom of religion the right to worship or not worship. You can't go to Iraq and be a Christian, I don't think. You can't, But you can come here and be a Muslim because why? We believe in the right to express your own religious beliefs. But if we're not a Christian nation based on Christian fundamentals, that goes, goes out the window, okay? So look, I want to... Uh, 
Uh, go ahead, Dale. I'll let you in real quick a bit. I, I want to. I got to come back. To I, I took my hand down, Coach. But okay. on that case, it was based on some seventy-eight precedences. In other words, prior case decisions. That's Brother, right. This wasn't some new light thing. Brother, this was this was a sealed thing. John Adams, second president of the United States, that our, says our Constitution is for a moral, religious people, and it's not suitable for any other. Amen. Amen. So let me take you down this journey here, real quick. Okay. It's really important for us to understand. Bring up number three. Bring up number three. So Brewer, in that case, said this is a Christian nation, okay? So friends, how Christianity shaped Western civilization, okay? Now, maybe this isn't the one I want. Scroll down. Let me see a minute. This is important. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ideas matter. That's not the one I want. Pull up. uh, Okay, let's do this. Pull up. Secular humanism. Pull that up, number six. Pull up, number six. We'll come back to this. I'm sorry. That's good. What's the difference? Religious versus secular humanism. What's the difference? Defining religion is essential to figure out what's going on. Going down, going down, going. I'm sorry, man. Humanism is a functional religion. The functions of religion often used by religious humanists, religious humanists. Religion, okay, hang on. Coach, slow down. Go to humanism. Number eight, pull up number eight. Sorry, folks. I'm going to open it up here in a minute. I'm making a case. Humanism. This is the American Humanist Association. Good. Did you see that, folks? The slogan up the top again. Good without God. Humanism. Humanism. So humanism is a progressive philosophy of life that without theism or other supernatural beliefs affirms our ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the greater good. No God, everybody doing in their own heart what they think is right. Humanism is a rational philosophy informed by science, inspired by art, and motivated by compassion, affirming the dignity of each human being. It supports the maximization of individual liberty and opportunity consonant with social and planetary responsibilities. Yada, 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 yada. Humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance which affirms that human beings have the right and responsibility to give meaning and shape to their own lives. My body, my choice, right? It stands for the building of a more humane society through an ethics, ethics based on human and natural values in a spirit of reason and free inquiry into human capabilities. It is not theistic. In other words, no God involved, and it does not accept supernatural views of reality. Humanism is an approach to life based on reason and our common humanity. Recognize that the moral values are properly founded on human nature and experience and all. But Okay, so I'm not going to keep reading down this. Folks, humanism is a religion. It is a religion. Now, go quickly, go to number six. No, no. Number seven. Number seven. Secular humanism. What is secular? Secular is pertaining to the present world or to things not spiritual or holy, relating to things not immediately or primarily respecting the soul, but the body. Worldly, the secular concerns of life respect making provision for the support of life, preservation of health, 
temporal prosperity of men, states. Secular power is that which superintends and governs the temporal affairs of men, the civil or political power, and it is contradistinguished from spiritual or ecclesiastical power. In other words, secular means non-spiritual, non-religious. Are you with me? Are you, are you here? Right? So secular humanism is the combination of two belief systems that do not believe in God or the spiritual side. Now ask yourself one question. What is the religion of America? Is America really a non-religious country? Or is this our religion? Is secular humanism the religion being promoted in our schools and in our government. Separation of church and state. Don't have any government. No, no, God can't, government can't inform anything. Okay, number two. Go to number two for me. Because we don't understand this, friends. We don't understand history. How Christianity shaped Western civilization. I'm going to go through this real quickly, okay? And then I'm going to open it up here. 11 critical events and periods in the case of Western civilization. What? Hey, time out. Can anybody tell me? Well, I mean, I'm asking somebody. Raise your hand and tell me. Uh, what is Western civilization? Can somebody, can, anybody can tell me what Western civilization is as, a, as opposed to Eastern civilization? What's the difference? Anybody know? Greco-Roman law. A good answer. Good answer. Western civilization is the introduction of Christianity to the West. That is Western civilization. And here's what happened to make Western civilization. Okay, scroll down. 11 events and periods. I wish I'd have paid more attention to history. Number one, number one, ancient Greece. One of the smallest ancient civilizations, Greece exerted an influence out of proportion to the size of its development of Western civilization, largely due to the intellectual components of the Greek philosophers. And it laid a foundation. Number two, the Roman civilization. That Look, by the way, when was Greece? Go back to Greece, I'm sorry. From 800 B.C. to 146 B.C. This is before Christ, ancient Greece. No Christ, okay? Then the Roman Republic arises in 500 years before Christ. And it lasts for 500 years, all right? 500 B.C. And as such, which originated in Central Italy, has played a huge role in the development of Europe, Western civilization, religion, law, architecture, yada, yada, yada. And then the rise of Christianity happens about 2,000 years ago. And what? Christianity is a hotbed. Much is known. Christianity began in Levant the modern region of Syria, Palestine, Israel, about 2,000 years ago. And over the next 400 years, the religion spread across the region, became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Then it spread throughout Europe and North America and India and other regions across the course of Middle Ages. Then in the Middle Ages, between the 5th and the 15th century, following the collapse of the Roman Empire, what happens? Well, 
This is a classic era of knights and kings and damsels, and it went on for about a hundred, about a thousand years. And it was a society based on feudalism, a custom whereby land was granted from the centralized leadership of a nation, often a king, to vassals and lords. And so, and then the Protestant Revolution hits in the early 1500s. Roman Catholic Church of Europe constantly was rife with when they wrote the and. Uh, with, they were making the laws and indulgences to the church. And Martin Luther shows up, 15, 17, pounds on the wall. That boom, boom, boom. Said, the Catholic church is doing this. And then 15, 17, 95 theses launched what was known as the Renaissance. And the Renaissance took place in a period in the 14th century where wealthy merchant elites bankrolled the expensive pursuits of the Renaissance figures. Advances during the Renaissance include development art, uh, invention of printing presses, new theory, yada, yada, yada. And then in seven, uh, the European colonization began to take place in the mid-1400s and the 1900s, and they began to send people to other places. The largest empire was Britain, and they said that, that what, the sun never sets on the British Empire, and 25% of the world's surface was the British Empire. And then what happens? Then along comes the American, uh, I'm sorry, the African slave trade. It didn't start till the 16th and the 19th century. And they went to Africa and they took the gospel to Africa and they took the slaves and they built, built a lot of wealth and yada, yada, yada. And, the, and during this period, early America starts. This, this, uh, you understand how far this Christianity thing has come to get to where we are? And the country now knows the United States of America began originally as 13 British colonies on the Atlantic seaboard of North America, founded in 1607. And starting in 1760s, American colonists began to rebel against the British government, arguing that taxation without representation was not fair. The church rose up, said no. And then that led to the Industrial Revolution, 1760s in Great Britain. Revolution, the manipulation, control of energy was made. It revolved around the manipulation of steam to generate mechanical power, development of machinery, yada, yada, yada. And then now we're into the globalization. And this, the world has changed a great deal by globalization. That started in the mid-1800s with the installation of overseas telegraph cables. You see how this thing's going on, right? So the fascinating history of Western civilization, we have kids today who wake up and think this thing just was. No understanding at all of how we got here. And we got here, why? Through the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what Britain did. Britain set white evangel white jellyfish, sent the gospel to the outermost part of the earth. And if we would understand today that the bedwark of Christianity is in Western civilization, North America, South America, not in Europe. Europe has rejected it for most of Europe. They've got some traditions there. But we're Western civilization. And Western civilization brought liberty to the world. Boom. And the only way they're going to get tyranny back is the elimination of Christianity. That's the battle that's going on, friends. And how many people do you run into and how many pastors that you know who stand in their pulpit and believe that there's a separation between the church and the state? Friends. Somebody, I got Clay. I got a thousand dollars. I'm going to give somebody if you can tell me when America stopped being a Christian nation. 
Can anybody point to it? Was it some order of the of uh, uh, the Senate and the House, Congress, some state? Did somebody vote us that we're no longer a Christian nation? You're right, top nut. Obama told us we weren't. <laughs> he t- play that again. Play that again for me, there, Spence. Obama. He just we he just made clear what everybody was saying. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. At least Hang not on, go just. Back. Go back. Go back. Because doesn't he say we once were? When did we stop? Do it again. Play, play it again. By the way, we what a wicked Muslim freak this guy is. Go ahead. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. At least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. You dummy! Only because we're a Christian nation can you be a Hindu here. Only because we're a Christian nation can you be a Muslim here. Only because we're a Christian nation can you be an atheist here. Do you get it, friends? So if they remove that underpinning of Christianity, government is God. You get it? So there's no accountability for our leaders because they're not under the yoke of Christianity. The Supreme Court ruled once that we were a Christian nation and they've never ruled otherwise. Now, 1947, they said there was a separation between the church and state, but they never said we weren't Christian. They never said that. You know what happened? We believed them, didn't we? We believed them. And you go to any church in America, any pastor standing behind a pulpit in America, and he's afraid to violate <laughs> getting involved with politics. He's going to violate that separation between the church and the state. Huh? We're, we become damn fools, have we not? Hmm? We yep. yep. Amen. You know how we become de- uh, fools? Because uh, a friend of ours, Bill Dunphy, when he went to court, wasn't allowed to use his Christianity as a defense. Wasn't allowed to. And I don't know about the Tennessee 11. Are they allowed to use their Christianity as a defense? Nope. (laughs) No, no, no. Why? Because government is God. And what do they say? We will not have this man rule over us. You know what's happened? The church do not the church does not believe in Christian dominionism. Spencer, what is dominion? What is dominion? I'll let you in here in a minute. Dominion, sovereign or supreme authority. Power to direct, control, use, and dispose of at pleasure, right of possession, territory under a government. Region, country, government, right of governing. So somebody help me out. Are we one nation under God or not? <laughs> Are we? Is he, is he the supreme or sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling? Is that him or not? And what have they done? They said, oh, listen, uh, sorry, uh, he may be in control of the world, but uh, he's not in control of the government. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, we're, there's separation, church and state here. God, the name of God, not welcome here. He, listen, 
he's religious, we're humanistic, uh, we want to do, uh, if it feels good, do it. We want that to be the law of the land. It's where we are, folks, it's where we are. So what do we have to do? we got to stand up and be counted. And I did some research on this again. I'm not going to dive into this. Friends, look, are you looking at me? Hey, Spencer, quickly, pull up pull up, uh, exempt. Exempt. No, no, spelled wrong. Exempt. Exempt. Free by, go, that, go down to number one there, brother. Free by privilege. Free by privilege. Huh? So the church is tax exempt because why? The government says you don't have to pay it. Meaning what? The government's in control of the church because we are tax exempt. But that's not the truth, Spencer. Type in immune. Immune. Because the church is not tax exempt. It is tax immune. Uh, Spencer needs to go back to homeschooling. There you go, bud. There you go. It doesn't come up. Immune. It doesn't come up. Look Look in, sorry, Spence. Look, look in something. What does it mean to be immune? Immune means like this. I can't get a disease. I can't get it. It's not that the doctors give me something to keep me from getting it. I can't get it. Immune means not susceptible or responsive. Not uh, produced by involved in or concerned, having a marked by protection. When you are immune, you cannot get the disease. When you're exempt, you don't have to take the shot. You see the difference? So the church is tax immune. The government can't interfere with the church. They're immune. If the church is exempt, then that means the government says, okay, you don't have to pay. The government is still in charge, and they're just really nice. Say, okay, we'll let you off. We'll let you off. So we people will go out and get a 501c3. It gives them a tax. What? Exemption. Exemption. In other words, the government says, okay, we'll let you off. You don't have to pay taxes. No, 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 no. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of a religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And if the government is taking money from the church, they're hindering what I can do. You get, come on, come on. Are we teaching that to our lawyers? Do our lawyers go into court? They understand the difference between immunity and exemption? They understand that? Does the average person, does the average guy start to church when somebody comes to him and says, uh, he's, he wants to start church, he goes to his brother, hey, brother Dale, how do I how do I start a church? I'm not thinking the Lord's calling me to start a church. And Dale says, well, brother, first of all, you got to get yourself a 501c3 and get government. See, they just lead, they just lead him down that Pimrose path, and it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It could be Clay Parker ministries, and he don't need no exemption from the government. Why? Because Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of a religion, nor prohibiting Clay's free exercise of it. Gene, you want to start a ministry? Gene Schroeder Ministries. You don't need the government approval. Folks, do you see how far we've fallen? 
and that's what we're dealing with. So if I want to, if I want to start a church, then I have to. They told me I had to get a five hundred one c three, and then every time every penny I spend, I got to tell the government what I did with it. Anybody else out there know that churches have to file every get every fi- file reports all the time with the government telling the government how you spent your money. Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of a religion, nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. Coach, as a Christian, should we not be tax exempt? Yes! Yes! Individual rights. Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And if you said, listen, I don't want to give a dime to the government because they're killing babies with it. You don't have to give a dime to the government. We should be, coach, we should be tax immune, not exempt. I said that. I said that. That's right. That's right. We are tax immune. We are tax immune. Not exempt. Not exempt. Now, I'm not giving you tax advice. I'm just laying a foundation, letting you know how we got in this mess, that we are funding our own demise. The church is funding its own demise, thinking they're under the authority of the government. It's it's unbelievable. There is a separation between the church and state. And the church, the separation is government, get the hell out of my church. It was never church, get out of government, ever, ever. Wow. All right, Bob, come on in, old Bob, down there in down there in Arkansas. How you doing? Yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas, brother. Okay, buddy. Yeah, I just had a couple of things to say. Uh, what you're getting into here is all biblical, and I thank God for a couple of guests you've had on your show. One is Charles Jennings, and one is Shane Vaughn. Yep. Who uh, who have hours and hours of teachings on the subject you're on. But it's all biblical, and it goes back to the Bible when the when the children of when Israel was separated between the north and the south. You know, Judah stayed in in Jerusalem and was given the scepter of God. You know, Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, right? And then we we know the ten tribes went north and were spread into Western Europe and America. So we are part of the lost tribes of Israel. It's all biblical, brother. And and there's hours hours and hours of teaching on this. But I just thank God that you're you're hitting on such a good a good topic to know that uh, God is doing a work, and and it's uh it's we're we're part of it. Amen. And uh, I just want to thank you for for what you've had on your show in the in the past. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Mm-hmm. As I heard somebody say, I pay every tax I owe. Question is, what tax do you owe? Right, Gino, come on in. Yeah, I'm just going to praise you too for what you were saying, because we do not realize they convinced the church to five to sign that 5013C. You put yourself under their contract. We are already immune. We didn't need to sign nothing. That's right. But we don't now need the their, government. We don't, need, we don't need their approval. To exactly. Not. God gives us the approval, not Amen. man. And once you sign that, 
they thought, oh, we got to obey the government, you know. So yep. anyway, we want to be good. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, okay, sorry, Myra, yeah. come on in. Yes, Coach. Thank you. And um, we are indeed a Christian nation. Thank you for reminding us of that. It is written, Psalm one of four, three to five. That is Psalm one of four, three to five. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters? Who maketh the crowds his chariot? Who walketh upon the wings of the wind? Who maketh his angels the spirits? His ministering a framing fire. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? Hallelujah. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We can rebuild the foundations. That's what we have to do. Uh, Kevin, come on in. All right, Coach, I want to clear up a little bit of what Obama said and, and kind of put this into perspective for you, okay? So we are a Christian nation that has Muslims in it, that has Hindus in it, that has Jews, that has atheists. But that's not what makes us, what makes us a Christian nation isn't about how many Christians we have. There could be two Christians left in America. We would still be a Christian nation. Why? Because our government was founded upon Christian tenets, the very forming of it, okay? A Muslim nation isn't a Muslim nation because it's predominantly Muslim. A a Muslim nation is a Muslim nation because its government is founded upon the tenets of Islam. So until this government, okay, that we have currently in place, that is founded first when the pilgrims came here and the document that they laid down, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, until that government is thrown off, dissolved, and a new government is formed, we will always be a Christian nation. So unless we're overthrown from an outside force, or an inside force that dissolves that form of government and makes a new one that is not founded on Christian principles, we are still a Christian nation. Amen. Amen. Period. Thank you, Pretty brother. Simple. Pretty simple. Jack. Yeah, Coach, that's the response I always use. People know my stand, so I they say, well, you, you do you pay taxes? I say, I pay every tax that I'm lawfully required to pay. Everyone that I'm lawfully required to pay. And uh, Patriot there just made a comment about changing. When, when the Constitution changes, then maybe we will lose our Christian nation moniker. I'm, I'm very fearful that the Convention of States people will let that happen very soon. Amen. Amen. So, Jack, if the federal government... If the IRS comes after me, do I go stand before a bunch of uh, uh, church ministers? Do I go before a church board? No, I don't go before a church board. As a Christian man, Christian church for judgment, I go before atheistic government. And that's what we see going on everywhere. Those but guys they're not your peers. All those guys, all those guys that are that are under, uh, that are in trial over under. Uh, Regarding J six, they're going to ungodly. They're going to ungodly courts, friends. They're going to courts designed to protect the government. And can I tell you what? Not even allowed to use that argument. Not even allowed to use that argument in the court. Not even allowed to use it. Sheila, come on in. 
We may not realize, but they changed the founding of our nation in 1992. They brought in the Babylonian Talmud Noahide laws by Joint House Resolution 104. Wow. When you bring in the Noahide laws, it says right in the structure, <clears throat> and I put both of these, both resolutions, 104 and 410, 14 and the mirror of 14 on purpose. And they brought it in, and this, this is what they said. This is the founding of this nation of the morals of a civil society. Civil, um, foundation of the civil society in this nation and its morals. And then in 93, when that was Bush 41, then Clinton 42 turns around and his entire House, um, both, uh, Congress and Senate, absolutely put in a Joint House Resolution 410, expanded it into the um, education system. And both documents state that they honored a rabbi. People do not understand. They're listening to rabbis that are not Hebrew Israelites. Mm. If they're not Hebrew Israelites, they're Babylonian. And Judah and Bab um, Benjamin were marched off. Only the ones that were profitable, in good shape, productive, they were marched off to Babylon. The rest were left to die on their own. So all of the 12 of Jacob, Israel, were all gone. In 721, somebody mentioned about the 10 tribes of the north. So you can ruin the foundation of a nation through the process of the government. Mm. And when they did that, that's when they started taking the Ten Commandments out of everything. Yep. The courthouses, the capitals, <coughs> the schoolhouses, everywhere where they had Ten Commandments, and that's where they were bringing the Baphomets in, or threatening <laughs> to bring the Baphomets in. Yep. And Anton LaVey bringing the Satanism church into the religion uh, structure in America. He's since dead. And we have been shifting and changing who we are over this time period. And we were unaware, absolutely unaware. And so the seven Noahide laws are compared to the Ten Commandments in Book 5. And both resolutions, 104 and 410, they had to do 14 on purpose. That's the elimination of us in their kingdom. And that's why the 14 parts, it's all in the Georgia Guidestones. It's in everything in this nation. The 14 is so important to them. And when they did all of this, we didn't counter what they did or have it removed. Maybe we weren't aware of it. But they already did this in 92 and 93, and that's when everything started to change. When you take the Ten Commandments out, when our rule of law, when our president went behind Lafayette Park and he held up the Bible and said, this is our law of this land. He was saying it on purpose because he, we have to bring it back to that. There's a lot we have to change. So to be on the ground and think it hasn't changed I just wanted to bring this up because they have changed it and we didn't understand they changed it. And we wondered how we got over here. And it's because they've been changing it from the beginning of our nation. Amen. Look, the left never, thanks, Sheila. The left never quit. Spencer, I just sent you a text, an email. I'm sorry. Pull that up there. Friends, I forgot this, almost forgot this. Last night, 
Sunbury Big Walnut High School. What do you suppose they did? Uh, where is it? Slide on down. Uh, no, keep on going. Is that, uh, no, go down. Go down. I saw it. I go, uh, no, keep going. Keep going. Oh, I know I saw it. Keep going. Last night, the homos showed up at Big Walnut High School. The homos showed up. Remember Big Walnut High School said no gender flags. No, oh, they showed up in mass last night at the school board meeting. I wonder how that thing went. And see, we are one and done. We are one and done. Um, so I said our next initiative, now that they got the, the now that they got the flags down, we ought to be pushing hard now for the establishment of the Ten Commandments back in the school. We want the Ten Commandments in every school room in the big room. Huh? See, we don't have we don't pay. There it is. There it is. Slide down there. Group asked Big Walnut School Board to rescind their flag ban. Oh, yeah, they showed up last night. Uh-huh. Look at these. Huh? Protect trans kid. Read ban book. Teach all history. Show love. We are showing love. We're protecting them from the deviant sexual folk. That's what we're doing. We are showing love. Oh, I don't know. I got on that one. Go ahead, Jock. Come on in. Good morning. Uh, Dr. Frank was right. We we have lost we have lost our nation. And it's just like when you get up out of bed in the middle of the night and there's no light. You can't see where you're going. Let you be able to turn the light on to to scurry away the cockroaches of darkness. Amen. Because that's what's gone on. It is up to us, everybody in here, to continue to shed the light of God. Because that's what we're supposed to do because in a way they've kind of got us, but they don't have a hold on us because of who we have through us. Mm, amen. Amen. Jack. So have, I just, yep. We got to, that's right. We got to push back, man. Let Christ arises. Then it will be scattered. Well, I'm reading this right here on the screen group. Ask people, make that a little bit bigger folks. Look, Come on now. Come on, doublespeak. You have to learn and read doublespeak. Doublespeak. The letter from the group action tomorrow, dated Monday, says that the ban the board approved in December is unconstitutional. How would that be unconstitutional? It's unethical, and its consequences are detrimental to students' academic performances and well-being. No kidding! The normal straight kids are having their academic performances and well-being destroyed over this crap that's coming in. Every big wanted student is entitled to psychological safety. But what about the Christian kid who doesn't approve of the homosexual? Isn't his psychological safety? Isn't that regardless of orientation? See, we let them get away with these freaking lies. Just gibberish lies. Stop demonizing, affirming, educating. Who are they affirming? Are they affirming the Christian kids who are against it? Or are they telling the Christian kids, you're wrong, you're a hater? What is the message being sent to the Christian kids who believe homosexuality and transgenderism is wrong? And the teacher stands up there and tells the kids, you guys are wrong, you're bigoted, mean, no, 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 right? Come on, friends, wake the hell up. I'm sorry, shouldn't wake the heck up. 
Randy. So, Coach, so are we winning or are we, are we losing? We're winning, that's, brother. That's <laughs> the – that's, Coach, I love you. I love you because you produce an action-based program or, or meeting here. Talk shows get finished and there's everybody goes home and they do nothing. The churches get finished, they go home and they do nothing. Coach, we have to understand this. Matthew 22, or oh, Matthew 21, 44. He's telling them, he's telling the Jews, the stone which you rejected there, it's become the chief cornerstone. He's talking about himself, Christ. So verse 44, he says, then he says 43, this kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. That's the church. And whoever falls on this stone, me, Christ, will be broken. But whomever doesn't, it, it, it falls, it will grind him to powder. So, Coach, let me ask the question. When did that stone stop turning? When has it stopped grinding anything? <laughs> in the That's right. Tell me when it – okay. You, if you believe it stopped moving and, and grinding it, whatever is in the way of that stone to powder, then you just pull out. You pull out and wait for Jesus to come. But if you believe that stone is still rolling, which is Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, that stone, it says it will – it will smash everything and it will never stop. There's no breaking forever, coach. We have to understand dominion. No breaking forever. The Georgia Guidestones are gone, coach. <clears throat> They're gone. That's a prophetic marker telling his people, keep fighting. I'm tearing down this system that's taken over. We have to believe that, coach. If we Amen. don't, we're just like the rest. Amen, Randy. Losers. We got to so believe we should, that, right now. They won the victory of Big Walnut Schools. They got the trans flags and all that out of there. See, the next move is demanding the Ten Commandments be put up. That's a see, friends. That would be local action with national impact. The Big Walnut School says put the Ten Commandments back in every room in our in our in the every class, and the courts say you have a right to do that. Boom, Mount Vernon next, Fredericktown next. Mechanicsburg next, right? Come on, Coach. We we're having church. We're having church on the steps of these school boards. I'm having church at every courthouse I go to. Jeff Klein is having church at every school board he goes to. We have Amen. to understand, Coach. We are the church. We are the church. We baby. are the church. We are the ones that's going to stop them. We're going to win. We got to be the church, Coach. Let's get Brown Cow in here. Come on in there. Brown Cow, you're up. Good morning. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I, 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 I hooked into a better system, and I thank you very much. I just wanted to say this, Coach, and I appreciate all the comments and, and your teaching this morning, but I keep thinking maybe I'm wrong. I don't know everything. But I remember in Proverbs that they, the, the word said, when a man's ways please God, he will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Yes, now, the key, the key to, to that is when a man's ways please God. And ever since they took out everything, tried to take out everything that was Christian, um, 
you know, I, we've been going down and the church has been silent because the church didn't think they had to be political, which they didn't mm -hmm. understand that, I guess, because politics is only the choice between good or evil. That's right. point good. blank what, what, what politics is. The choice, you're either on the Lord's side or you're not. And yeah. so I keep thinking, Coach, that um, since our ways have not pleased God and since the scriptures, when you go all through the scriptures, Jesus said about the, the falling away, the apostate church described in, 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 in Revelations uh, 1 and 2, um, we're not going back. All we can do as the remnant of Christ is to continue to walk up right before him, continue to spread the gospel, continue in prayer, continue to meet a churches where two or three gathered in my name. You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So right there, that's six people. Um, so, so all we can, and see, you'd be surprised coach, how many people, how many Christians will not spread the gospel. If you have a heart for God and you want to tell others about Christ, Holy spirit will make that happen. You mm -hmm. saw those track, those little tracks that I sent you coach over 30,000 of those tracks that God gave me have <laughs> gone out since not since I think 1981 is when he gave me a track ministry. So maybe 40,000 of those have gone out. I put them in the mail. I give them to people. Mm. I talk because somehow God will give you, even if you don't have it, the gift of gab where you can kind of get in a conversation and tell others about Christ. Now, once you do that, Holy Spirit takes over. All you do, I have to do is just be willing to do what God has told you. So I know we all want, you know, um, peace and all of these things, but we're not going back. And we're going to have to buck up and, 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 and stand up and ask for God to give us courage because it's very scary. God, please give us the courage to stand. They're killing Christians all over the world. They just got through over the weekend killing 55 Christians in Nigeria. I was in West Africa. I saw the devastation that was done there even from the 1970s. So we're going to just have to make up our minds. We're going to stand if they carry us out like they carried out Peter. If they come to our house yeah. and they drag us out, we still going to have to stand for Christ with your last dying breath, with your eyes full of tears and snot flying everywhere. We're going to we're gonna have to just stand for Christ as we cry, even if we have to die, but we still have to do obey God. And the biggest thing, uh, 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 coach, and I, I, you know, I, I can't say this enough. If we would have love and respect for each other and to be willing to call each other out if we are in error, because that's the only way we can grow in Christ. Thank you very Amen. much for the opportunity. Brown cow, we're out of time, folks. God bless you. Stand up for Jesus. This is a Christian nation. See you tomorrow.